welcome back to another episode of the Leadership Podcast, brought to you by the Center for Leadership and Engagement. I'm Joseph Perez, graduate student leadership coordinator, coming to you live from the newly renovated College Hall, and I hope all of you are doing well. Oh, and before I forget, please do not forget to vote and wear a mask. Today's episode is going to focus on what students think about social justice, their thoughts on the correlation between social justice and leadership, and how we can learn from the events that are happening to further develop our leadership skills. Stay tuned for that and more after the record scratch. Hey, so um, yeah, I love that interview. Like, I think, honestly, it's great to listen to someone, like, especially with Dr. Williams was talking about credibility, the fact that one of the greatest things that his education has given him is the ability to speak on this stuff, not only as just a black man, but also educated black man to be able to show that we have like there is representation within the community and that when we're speaking, we're not just speaking off of but research and and data and true statistics and and credible information. Um, And so I feel like one of the most important parts that he brought up was kind of the police culture. Um, and I think it's important to, to when, we, when we talk about social justice, when we talk about change in the world, is to understand that as much as we may see it as an us versus them, they see it in the same way. The other side always sees it in the same way. And, and to understand and to truly unify ourselves, we have to know why they do the things they do. You know what I mean? We need to think about their values and why they think what they're doing is making them a good person. So in our eyes, we may be seeing an excessive use of force against African-Americans, but to them, they may be seeing a law and order being set in place. You know, when you, you have an important part of understanding and, and, and trying to work towards a solution is understand is, is, is working towards understanding the rhetoric of the other side, because and unfortunately, this is not just something that's going to go away. It's not something that we can just vilify into into negligence. You know what I mean? Like if if we just take what like cops are evil and keep like you know reinforcing that. I, I mean, we're just creating another party. Essentially, we're we're reenacting the injustice that was imposed upon ourselves. Although, yeah, maybe we we don't have the same platform to be doing it in the same way because the diversity is not the person in literal legal authoritative position. I think it's important to still have a perspective and, and understand them. I think it's crucial to understand what Dr. Williams was saying about how when a police is, is um, judged by a, a group, uh, a jury of their peers, if their peers think that what they were doing was just the best thing they could do for that position for their job, then why not change the context? Why don't we show a different to the best form of that job you know what I mean and I think it's I think it's the definition of a police officer and their role that needs to be changed not necessarily the good apple bad apple kind of thing it's it's understanding like what is really the best thing to do in this position and I feel like when we think about the way the reasons why some people may justify killing criminals it's you can go back to like superhero movies. Think about the superhero. You know, there's a villain with a checkered past. He's done a ter- bunch of terrible things. Maybe not because he's doing something terrible right now, but the, the hero is still justified in killing the villain or, or you know, doing whatever and placing justice upon the villain, right? So, but what's important to know is that we are all humans and we all have a checkered past. Even the hero is going to have a checkered past. You know, we all have done something that we shouldn't have done. That's just human nature. 
And so it's important to have that type of compassion and to, le- to, to take a person for who they are in the moment as opposed to who they were and what they've done. And that, in that sense, like understanding why someone might cr- commit a crime. You know, there's a lot more to a context of a person because just because one person doesn't commit a crime their whole life where another person might have commit five crimes, might have stolen a bunch of stuff, but well, what if the person who never committed a crime always had the, the, the privilege of having things and being able to buy things legally, you know? That we need to take that into consideration and to understand the person who, who is considered the villain or the, the criminal or something, you know, like we need to take that into consideration in, in understanding our rehabilitation of this and how we're going to deal with this as opposed to oppressing. And, and even when we talk about the justice system and, and, and the prison system, um, I think a lot of the prison system is, is more of a punitive measure rather than a rehabilitative measure. And that's why when people are coming back out of prison, they're not, they're not changing they're going back into the same form because if anything, they only got more traumatized while they were in prison and only learned how to only continue to like commit their crimes. You know, we need to be, we need to be teaching each other and having compassion towards each other before we try and really make a change. I'll get off my soapbox now. <laughs> so the, the, your analogy with the superheroes, mm-hmm. Mana still comes to mind. We see Superman could be representative of the police. Mm-hmm. there's a scene where Superman ends up killing the main villain and nobody saw that coming because it's Superman he's supposed to uphold you know peace and stability and for him to just go and snap Zod's neck kind of a metaphor for police today right when it comes to the treatment of minorities specifically yeah. African Americans and you know we see all of this happening where you know, making jokes about it on the internet with the memes on the Facebook and the TikTok. And there's lessons that we learn from all of this mm-hmm. in terms of how did we let it get to that point? Why did we let it get to that point? What can we do to prevent this from happening? And this just leads to a whole other can of worms regarding, bless you. Thank you. Regarding defund the police, the elections, and you know, they fund the police and everyone's freaking out. Oh my God, that means we're going to take all the money. Like, it's not necessarily that, but you know, the police that handled that Jacob Blake situation in Wisconsin, I think it was handled very bad. Um, it could have been handled much better. Same thing with George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, but it's like what was said in the interview. Like, how did we, how did leadership let that happen? Mm-hmm. Moreover, their response. And, and I think it's, it's important to remember that um, even when we're talking about reform, like specifically defunding the police, is we have to think about what type of specific reform do we want, you know? And do we want a federal or do we want a state level or a local level? Because that not that the whole point of the police system is that they are local authorities and that they're able to be adaptive and change based on whatever is needed in that local area? And that's why it's hard to create a, a unilateral reform that's really going to change everything because in, it, essentially the reform comes in an ideological way. It's not necessarily going to come from, from laws and regulations, but then you have to think about how can we completely reform our ideology while still maintaining law and order? Because of course it's important to still maintain, like we, we can't be letting everybody get away with anything. You're right. Like at, at some point, super, in that example, uh, you know, he has to decide, is this the best thing for society for this villain to die? You know, 
And, and that is a hard choice. And how do you know as one human that you will be able to omnipotently see the world and see what is best for the world and what is not? And inevitably, you are going to have to deal with repercussions of either one. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, obviously, we're talking about things on a, on a you know, macro level. You can also apply it on a micro level in terms of how we develop our leadership. Like, we're all going to be put in these types of situations where, you know, between a rock and a hard place. Yeah. And you have to find out what, what decision most closely aligns with your values, your ethics, your morals. And, you know, as young adults, I mean, for you guys, I mean, I'm a little older, but for you guys, you, you know, you see the police. Back when I was younger, you know, I thought the police, you know, were a paragon. Like, you want to be a policeman. Being a policeman is great. You know, the benefits may, you know, benefits are good. Pay might be low in the beginning, but still, it's a status thing. Hey, I'm a cop. Yeah. You know, I want to uphold the law. Yeah. I, want, I wanted to become a cop at one point. State trooper. You know, that didn't pan out. But now we're seeing a lot of these wrongful deaths. Some of it, some of it may be justified. Some of it may not. It all depends on your personal view. But it's how they handle the situation. You know, being a cop equals high stress. You're gonna get stressed out. You're gonna get put in these situations. And with Jacob Blake, you know that he went into his car to take out a knife. We don't know that. We only know what we've seen. But you know, it's analyzing, like it, predicting what they're gonna do. But it, also at the same time, as leaders, like how are you gonna how are you gonna lose control of the situation? You know, part of being a leader is maintaining control of a situation so that you don't get stressed out and you don't make you know irrational decisions. And they, you know, social justice reform. Like, you know, we need. You know, obviously, there's a there's a bigger there's a problem. But how are we gonna actually talk about it and implement these changes? All these changes take time, and some of these changes might overwrite something. And that's 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 one of the big problems right now. How do we fix this? How do we make sure everyone is treated fairly, equally, justly? Mm -hmm. You know, especially you know in higher ed right now with, you know cases of discrimination you're that's why i really like montclair because it's very diverse you know it's a hispanic serving institution hsi 40 percent hispanics so you're gonna see a lot of diversity here mm -hmm. but if you go to a different university it's majority white or majority black or an hbcu you know you're not going to see a lot of people that look like you or it's mostly well it's mostly you know in the institutions where the population is majority caucasian Mm -hmm. And sometimes they don't know how to handle it. Like if you go to a different part of the country, they probably haven't seen someone like you, Ariana, like a Hispanic woman. <laughs> They'll be like, who are you? I think it's important not to penalize people who haven't been educated because I, I don't think that, I mean, the truth is it's, it's hard to understand every single person's experience and to say that I am well-versed on every diverse culture there is you know we yeah. are put in a blessed position to be in a, such a diverse campus to have such access to people like that but the truth is middle america i mean when the demographics are so low that you only have so much opportunity and so it's really not necessarily just about educating yourself but having the open mindset to knowing that you will never fully understand everybody's experience and and why the th they do the things they do and why their culture is different than yours but to have the open-mindedness and to understand that things like where things are diverging from your own culture and to be able to respect someone in that situation that is the true key to being able to create a perfectly harmonious culture you know like this country was founded on the different types of individuals that immigrated to this country and 
you know, it's just a microscop, it's a micro microcosm, I believe the word is, of mm-hmm. of our society, you know, universities, working with different leaders, like you know, you, myself, you know, the uh, last semester with Moo and Fab, people from different areas of life, walks of life, different experiences, different cultures. And it's like a melting pot. America's a melting pot. But now with, in terms, you know, in the case of social justice, it's like, all right, like we have to hold people accountable. Part of being a leader is holding yourself accountable for your actions, admitting that you made mistakes. It, you know, it's very hard for people to admit they made mistakes. I mean, I'm sure you've done it. I know I've done it. And it's just a matter of, you know, moving from it, learning from it. Right. It, and it's, it, it's having also a culture of understanding each other when we make each other, when, when we make mistakes. If I said something ignorant or something, then you could be like, hey, just so you know, this is a little like that you may not be educated in this form instead of being like, hey, you're a bad person now. Labeling like n- by villainizing someone who just doesn't have the information is is almost backfiring on us, you know, by creating a line in us and them situation. We're only making it harder for ourselves. Because the truth is that no matter where you go, you, we could go to the, the predominantly white communities. There's always going to be an outcast. There's always going to be someone who's just a little bit different from everybody else and who's feeling, although maybe the oppression is on a different scale, is still feeling oppressed. And I think that's the, really the key to finding the unifying source is understanding that we all have experienced some type of oppression in our lives and we all know what that feels like. We all know what it feels like to be bullied. You know what I mean? If exactly. we take it in such a general sense of bullying, Sure. Then we can apply it on a larger federal level and to understand how not to be abusing our power because that is essentially what bullying is. Yeah. On, a, on a micro level, sure. And higher ed, you know, on a, ma- a macro level, obviously with, with the police and the, and the lawyers. It's not just the police, it's also the law, the court system. Right. You know, for whatever reason, it's disproportionate to the amount of African-Americans incarcerated compared to the Caucasians and Latino and other races. Right. Have you watched the documentary 13? Yeah. No, no, I have not. But um, I've been listening to other podcasts and it's, uh, one day I'll tell you. Because <laughs> it, it, it's, it's, a, it's a long story. Like I was, I was flabbergasted. I was like, oh crap. Um, injustice happens everywhere. And now that you know, we have social media, it's so, so much easier to highlight, uh, to put it on us underneath a microscope or to put it under a flashlight and to highlight it. You know, it's not, you know, not just what's going on outside of higher education, not outside of the colleges, but also what goes on on colleges, on campuses. Mm-hmm. At least in my experience, you know, I grew up in a very diverse area in Union City. It's one of the most densely populated cities, towns, whatever you want to call it in the country. And there was a little bit of everything. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we all mixed in our cultures. We all said, we might have said, we probably did say some inappropriate things from time to time. And, you know, as we, you know, grew up and as we started learning one of the universities, it's like, all right, like, we shouldn't have said those things. But we didn't know. You know, we were innocent. Mm-hmm. It was the same thing in college. You, know, you come to colleges and you learn things that you probably would have never learned. Yeah. If you never left your town. Yeah. And I think you're, you're right about like, like trying to implement the culture within, within higher education and just where we are now. Cause I think you're right. Like it, it is hard to change the whole world on a macro scale. And it's going to start with us being leaders in our own social circles, in the smallest forms, in just 
thinking about who you're hanging out with and who's the biggest outcast and why are they being outcast? Let's, let's try and take the effort to understand them instead of allowing our ignorance to then turn into anger. Instead, let's have compassion. And it's just that, just modeling that, then implementing that in a general life sense is how I feel like we will be inevitably able to make the change that we want to see. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, inclusivity. Mm -hmm. We want to be included. You see someone on the side by themselves, you know, go up to them. Don't make, try not to make them feel left out. You never know. Like, everyone's facing their own battles, right? right. Uh, like, for example, Chadwick Boseman, rest in peace, you know? Right. Uh, Mr. Uh, Jackie Robinson. <laughs> yeah. You know, he, I'm pretty sure, I don't know if you heard, you know, the Chadwick Boseman passed away on Friday. Mm-hmm. And you know everyone's pouring these tributes to him, and they're pointing out how you know he was diagnosed with cancer in 2016, 2017, and he still kept pushing, mm-hmm. kept doing the roles, kept going to the Make a Wish Foundations. You know, it's hardworking, you know, encouraging, positive. It's very, it's very inspiring. Mm-hmm. You know, he brought awareness. And it's, and same thing with the NBA. You know, you have the NBA players boycotting a game, but I feel like if you're gonna, you know protest or take a stand against something you got to go all the way in like you can't just go one foot in one foot out you know as a leader you know you don't want to have one foot in the right and one foot in the wrong as a leader you know you lead by example you push it and my stomach's growling i'm sorry but you gotta you know push it you because you you want to keep your credibility intact like i kind of like you know i keep thinking about how i interact with you guys and sometimes i may go you know I may go in like 20 different directions, but you know, at least you know, I'm here for you guys. And when we do something, we do it full stop. We don't, right. we don't go half measure. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, same thing with social justice, social diversity, you know, however you want to label it. It's, it's definitely a big issue right now, especially in an election year. And we don't know how it's going to go, but we can at least try to talk about it, try to lay down some foundations in order to build upon it. If not us, then the people that comes after us. Yeah. I mean, the generational gap between you and I, for example, you know, like we have different perspectives, different views, mm-hmm. and it's great, perfect, love that. We have these different views on how things are done, different perspectives, different backgrounds, and it's, it's just a matter of getting people like that in the right spot in order to have these discussions on a major level, in order to at least try to have some change, mm-hmm. you know, whether it be police reform, whether it be you know, prison reform, because prison, mm. you, know, the, the, you know, the industrial prison complex is a thing. Right. It's a thing. And, you know, like people, people get the short end of the stake in prison mm-hmm. for whatever reason. And when it comes to social justice, like I'm telling you, like, you ever heard of the show The Boondocks? No. no. Oh, my goodness. Like this came out in like 2005. They had like, they had four seasons. The fourth season's horrible. But the first three seasons is a very pointed critique on the police culture, African-American culture in general. And, you know, I definitely recommend it. Like, it's a beautiful show. Like, it's, 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 it's borderline offensive, but it's, it's, it's great. It's great political commentary and how police really, like, they always treat the African-Americans, in most cases, I'm sorry. And they kind of assume things, you know. Right. Well, that's human nature to assume. That's yeah. the, and that's the thing that it boils down to is we all, we all, like you said, we're all a little bit racist. I think it's more than just racism. I think r- the word racist and racism is very charged, emotionally charged. Yes, especially now. 
a better way to describe it is we are all ignorant because we all make generalizations. Mm -hmm. And that is just how the human brain works. How do we learn? By making generalizations about things, right? So we have to go to the root of our own generalizations and ask ourselves, why are we thinking this? Because the truth is the first thought is always going to be something terrible. But if the second thought, it's about the second thought. Did you say, well, I'm going to continue with that first thought, that, that maybe that assumption, maybe that, you know, negative thought about someone, or am I going to take a second thought and say, Hey, let me pause for a second. Let me learn about them first. And then let me reassess. And you know, another, another, uh, point to go on top of what you were saying is the internet. <laughs> you know, you've seen, you've seen it a lot. Um, people putting, posting up a video right. of something, something outrageous. Right. And it's taken out of context. You know, people do it all the time, especially with, with president Donald Trump. You know, like he says a bunch of crazy stuff. Right. Oh, oh, oh yeah. He's, you know, he says things that have you thinking and it's like, he really said that. But if you look at the whole video, then you'll realize the context of what he said it in just an example. Right. right. So, you know, context matters. Um, try not to get your news from social media. <laughs> That's the worst place to get it. Um, it's best to just read on multiple sites. Yeah. Look at it from different angles because this is obviously a very complex charged right. issue Yeah. Right now. And, you know, it, it bleeds over to the university, it bleeds over to how we form our opinions, our thoughts, our morals, our ethics, mm -hmm. and how we proceed forward as leaders so that we don't repeat the mistakes that our predecessors made. Mm-hmm. Definitely. You know, I try to put, I try to put that in, in you know, instill that in you guys, I, you know, if, if nothing else, you know, to think about it, to at least get you to think. Mm -hmm. That's, that's the, that's my objective, at least for the most part, think. Like, we're all going to be leaders, if not, if not already, we're all leaders in some way, whether it be with your family, with your friends, in your job, in your classes. And, you know, it's our responsibility, our social responsibility to guide us to what we think is right. And obviously, we're going to run into, you know, resistance, but at the same time, we have to handle that. Right. Yeah, definitely. But, um, yeah. Leslie, you know, we talked about the interview with you know, Dr. Williams, and you had a chance to listen to it. So, mm -hmm. you know, what do you think? What are your thoughts on it? Um, I thought you pointed out some really good points. I honestly agreed with everything that he said. Um... He sounded, honestly, he just knew what he was talking about, which I loved, and it kind of got me, like, eager to talk about this subject myself. Yeah, I mean, social justice is, like, a really big uh, topic of conversation today, and it's been like that for years. And unfortunately, like, you know, people don't want to talk about it at times mm -hmm. because of the sensitive subject matter, but all of it's connected. Everything everything is connected to another in some way, shape, or form. And, you know, part of being a leader is being able to take things that are going on in different areas of the world, different areas of the country, and, and putting elements of them into your own personal style, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, like we talked, like it was mentioned in the interview, how, how did leadership let it get to this point? Like you see the gaps in how leadership handles situations regarding social justice, regarding you know, police killing African-Americans. I think it was just that, I think it was 
like a big part of like the leadership is just that they let it pass and like go on for so long without doing anything and now people think that it's okay because it's been done in the past and you know a lot of the clips that come out nowadays you see um like no reprimanding it was there was like a video that actually came out of uh like police officers like speaking bad about like a person of color and the guy was like oh just don't say that on this radio though but like he's not reprimanding the words being said he's just reprimanding like the fact that he can get caught by saying it in the radio which i thought was just like that's basically like the point of what's wrong with leadership they're not addressing you know the issue they're just trying to cover it up now uh, you mentioned something pretty poignant in regards to you know people letting that happen and i think part of the problem one of the issues is the culture you know it's been like that since forever for the most part you know it's you look at the history of policing, it's more or less been like that. And it, each police department is different in how they handle certain, you know, certain scenarios. And you, you can't paint everybody with one broad stroke. You know, every police department is different. And yes, things could have been handled much better, but it's also a culture problem. And you know, part of being, you know, part of being a leader is, sorry, part of being a leader is establishing the culture. Culture of accountability, culture of you know, doing the right thing, and focus on a shared goal. You know, like you, you're an RA, right? And I'm pretty sure your boss has meetings with you or meetings with all the RAs to discuss the goals and the tasks and expectations, right? If you if you feel comfortable in the sense that if you see something wrong, you feel comfortable going to your supervisor and telling them. What's yeah, right? of course. I do feel like um, I am comfortable, especially with, like my boss, um, that I can just kind of go to her and tell her what's going on. Or kind of, I feel like I'm also prepared to deal with a lot of different situations that may arise. Um, but I, as far as like other places go, I don't believe that a lot of people have that experience and that ability. I know. Um, some people that I know that they aren't able to do that because their bosses are very um, kind of one way or the highway type of thing. And um, it's kind of like figure it out for yourself, which is extremely messed up. And I think that's also another reason why there's issues within leadership. I think people are being put in places of power and belittling and undermining um, minorities that work there. Um, and setting them up to fail in a sense because you're not really supporting them the way that a leader should. Now, let's, uh, let's kind of like process that, right? You mentioned people not being ready and not being in the right place. Uh, how, how, do, how do we get to that? Like, you know, we do have you know, these, these uh, laws and reforms that advocate for more diversity in the yes. workplace, right? Which I do agree, but then I feel like I don't see it. So a lot of the time you see, you know, companies that say that, oh, they're like equal opportunity, this and this and that. But when you actually look at the workplace, first of all, it's not as diverse as you may think. You know, I went to high school my freshman year um, in this school that my Spanish teacher was not even Spanish. She was Italian. Things like that. It's like, okay, but I get it. You want to be 
diverse, but you also need to match to the culture. You're going to, why would you put, you know, if it's a Spanish speaking role, give that opportunity to somebody that's from a, a particularly a Spanish speaking area, things like that. If you're in a more diverse bilingual school, a lot of the times though, you do see a huge disconnect because a lot of those teachers are not even of Spanish bilingual backgrounds. So it's hard to communicate to those families and those parents, especially like um, nowadays when the population for Hispanics is so high of a minority. Um, so I just feel like they need to really uh, start stepping that up. And then also um, sometimes there are people in power in those situations that are um, of a minority group, but they were not per se, like fit for the role or like given the, the opportunity to succeed in that role because they never had experience in um, dealing with all these different types of people. And that's where also conflict comes into play because yes, you can put somebody in there that may be, may, you know, be of a minority background, but that doesn't mean that they're also going to be able to fulfill the job if you don't give them the resources. Um, how you touched on is in relation to quality and equity. So um, let's, let's bring the conversation back to social justice, right? When we see all of these things going on, people are getting killed for seemingly no reason, and there's no accountability. And one of the big lessons to take from that is, you know, people need to be held accountable for their actions, regardless of their position, right? Yes. So it's, it's a matter of educating yourself. You know, you never really stop learning. Dr. Williams mentioned that in his interview. You never really stop learning. You know, things change all the time. And in terms of protesting, in terms of what we see, who we see get killed in an inhumane manner. I mean, I think we can all agree that, you know, the way George Floyd died was a travesty. It was horrible, tragic, right? Right, it was ridiculous. I can't even I can't even fathom that people would even try to justify those actions in any type of way. It's ridiculous. Right. So it's just a matter of you know how leadership trained their employees and how to how to respond to threats like that. I mean But I think um like at the end of the day though, that was never said for them to they were never trained to protect themselves, protect themselves like that, you know, I think that just also comes from, it's, of course, they need to step up the way that they do train their people, but at the same time, I think a lot of it comes from that sense of power and being able to do whatever they want, um, and then them justifying it because they have that title. I think that's what it is, you know? So, no. I think that leadership needs to, um, better screen their people, better train their people, and they need to kind of take away some of those like entitlements that they have. You know, a lot of the times when you're driving down the street and you're slowing down for a cop, they go around you um, and speed away or they'll turn on their lights and, and turn and cross a red light and then turn it back off. Those like things of feeling like they're so above everybody, above the law, that's what's getting to their head. And I think that's the issue that why we're having um, all those issues too, because they try to say it's training, it's this, this is what we're meant to do, but that's not true. It's because you're entitled and you don't like something. So when you feel threatened, you want to take it out on other people and show your authority. Like it's baby steps at this point, right, Leslie? Like, little by little, yeah. we're starting to change things. 
Yeah, it is baby steps, but I don't know. I feel like he's just very, he's a very vague, a vague person. He will tell you, you know, yeah, we're going to fix it. But then how are we going to fix it? He doesn't give you a plan or anything. He's just like, yeah, we're going to fix it. We're going to fix it. And I think as a leader, to be a good leader, you need to be able to say, you're going to fix it by doing this. This is how we're going to go about it. Um, and it's because it's this way that we're going to do it because of this, this, and that, you know? At the end of the day, like, it's, it's all about accountability. You know, all of us should be held responsible for our own actions and inactions. I mean, if someone did something that you don't like, you would call them out on it, right? You would tell them, hey, I think what you did is wrong. I don't like what you did. So, like, accountability is like, the biggest lesson from this, I think. Uh, as leaders, we have to be able to, you know, to take accountability and be vulnerable in admitting that we're wrong because you know, a lot of us don't like to admit when we're wrong. When we're wrong. I'm not, listen, do you admit when you're wrong at times? Or do you just yeah, I do. <laughs> No, I, I do. I, I apologize when I believe that I'm wrong and when I know that I'm wrong. I think it takes a bigger person to understand that they were wrong and um, address it than to just act like, oh, well, I know that I'm wrong, but I'm just going to play it off type of thing. So, so Justice, you know, it's, a, it's a very delicate subject, right? And it is. It's, it's, it's delicate because you know, it, it's emotion-based. People, like, they see the outrage first thing they're going to say is, oh my God, how could that have happened? But you know, if you look, like part of being a leader is being able to control your emotions, right? Like, don't let your emotions control you because if you let your emotions control you, that means other people can control you. Um, part of being a leader is being calm and analyzing the situation, which I think is what we need right now. Yeah. That's, that's a really good quality to have. Like, being able to calmly assess the situation and your thoughts, that's a big thing. It's one of the major things I got out of the interview with Dr. Williams. Emotions are good. They're very good. They should be sure that you're passionate about things, that you care about these things. I really, I like really liked how he addressed like the environments within schools, with like the diversity in schools. I thought that was honestly so accurate because when looking into schools, there were some schools that I really loved and I was so excited to visit the campus and then I realized and looked around that there's really nobody that looks like me you know and then it gets of course I I'm, I love having a diverse friend group but it is scary coming into a school when you're the only person you know that has um, certain features or certain background experiences and things like that um, so I was really um, I really agreed with him in saying that like a lot of the times you only see diversity nowadays in sports and it's so sad, but that's literally so true because then you see, you know, a predominantly white school, but then when you see them play sports, those are where you see like the diversity at most. Absolutely. And that needs to be changed. And that starts within the recruiting process and, you know, looking at those applications and being able to also take into consideration um, other aspects other than just simply whatever they are checking. What are, what campuses have you visited? I don't want to put them on blast. I'm sorry? I don't want to put them on blast. Okay, no, no, no. I mean, because like I, I went to LSU. I'm sure you've heard it in the interview. Like, 
I, I oh, was in, yeah. You know, I was in Louisiana, and, and I visited the Rutgers campus. And, it, A lot of schools are predominantly um, uh, white. So, and of course, there is a dominating population, of course. But at the same time, you also want to make sure that it's not too small of a diversity pool either, because you do, I, I believe that bringing diversity to campus just helps the students a lot from all over, because you're able to learn about different people's backgrounds, cultures, understanding how to communicate with other people that may not agree with you or may have not experienced the same things as you. And that's just going to help you on your day to day and your future and workplace, being able to work in diverse settings. Yes. Um, no, you're right. You're, you're absolutely right. The environment is a big factor in how we approach social justice and leadership. Because if you grew up in a predominantly white area and you get, you have to start taking classes with people of colors, you might not know how to treat them. You might not know how to react. And on the flip side too, you know, I'm not sure if, you know, in your high school, you said your high school was uh, diverse, right? You said it was predominantly Hispanic, I think you said? No, my, my school was very diverse. It had a little bit of everything. Okay. My town and then my um, vocational uh, high school and my town high school. My high school. But not, that's not a lot. A lot of places aren't like that. I know of I've course. visited, like, I talked to my friend, and she's um, the only person of color, basically, in her town. One in, like, she has, like, two other people, like, other than her. But it's just ridiculous to see that there's no lack, there's, like, a lack of, like, cultural um, understanding and education for other people's cultures. And like, I'm taking a class right now in international business and it's just, it's, it's showing the importance of learning about other people's cultures. And I feel like that's something that we should really start to do and implement because it's important, you know? It does teach you about other people and how to address other people and be respectful while also, you know, respecting yourself too with what you believe. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, being able to be exposed to a different culture gives you more understanding, gives you a different perspective on things. And you know, in terms of social justice and leadership, you know, it's great to have that in the back of your pocket, your trump card, you know, so to speak, in your bag of tricks. And you know, sometimes if you you're introduced to someone from a different culture, you know, sometimes you may say things that might be okay in your culture, but it might be offensive in their culture. I agree. And I also think they need to diversify. It also starts with the classroom, too, as well, you know. Most of the children's lives they spend in the classroom, and you want to make sure that the, the staff that they get to encounter throughout those years is also diverse, too. It, it can't just be, you know, one same type of professor throughout. You want to be able to experience different styles and different people because they do, their backgrounds do bring extra knowledge into their teaching. And it's sad because a lot of people don't really have that um, that little connection with their professors. And that's going back to what I said in the very beginning, where a lot of the time, you know, you go to bilingual schools and schools that are like um, for people that may not speak uh, English as their first language. And you see people who don't even understand them teaching them, you know, and how are you going to communicate effectively with their families to help them to make sure that their children are going to succeed, you know? Uh, do you have anything else you want to say, Leslie, or? Um, 
Oh, I also want, he also addressed like digging up the past when like the whole um, thing had happened. And I wanted to kind of address that too. Like I actually really agree with that, that when, you know, something does happen in order to kind of make them uh, be on one side, they try to pull up other people's wrongdoings in the past or like little mistakes here and there that have nothing to do with the actual issue at hand to paint a picture so that you can kind of justify or, or uh, put people to your side. Well, oh, he deserved it because he made this one mistake like 10 years ago or something like that. Destiny. And you, you have a, I'm pretty sure you have a certain perspective on social justice and how it relates to leadership. So um, let me know, what do you think? What are your thoughts on it? I feel like, but a lot of people won't agree with my opinion or how I approach certain things. And, you know, I feel like, hmm? No, that, that's okay. Point. Yeah. Like, the whole purpose of this is to educate and inform. Part mm-hmm. of that is listening to different perspectives that you don't necessarily agree with. Yeah, that is true. I feel like uh, when it comes to the current events, I know, like, they had um, something going on in the news where, like, they'll go... Like, social media will be black, like, the whole day. I think it was, like, Blackout Tuesdays. Oh, um, like, like, in the summer? Yeah. And I feel like I did it, but I feel like, for me, I'm a very quiet person when it comes to, like, um, social justice because there's so many opinions going on in the world, and I feel like a lot of people get offended. A lot of people are very sensitive nowadays, and so, when as a leader, you sometimes have to phrase your words, and, like, you gotta be sensitive t- to the topic because you you don't know who your viewers are mm-hmm. and how they might take it. So for me, I take the quiet version where I would post something because it's my um, my platform and I what I believe in. Mm-hmm. But I feel like I take um, I'm always there to like do the protesting and everything. But I feel like a lot of people want change and they don't see how the change that they want or the things that they want to be enforced is how it's going to impact other people because a lot of I know like with the police department everything like that I know a lot of people like defund the police and I understand that but there's also a lot of people who work for the police are not that are not bad guys or like even like the children that are black or like living with policemen in their house how do you think that's going to affect them do at the end of the day, we are giving a job a career, and if you are in the bylaws of your job and career, you're doing what you're supposed to do, then you can't really, like, you can't be offended about what they're doing, unless it's, like, something wrong, which a lot of the, the news are, is wrong, but there's, we're, like, a whole department you want to crush because of, like, about, well, let's say a percentage, like, like a little, a good amount of percentage that are affecting the taste on our mouth for that department but there's other things in the um in the world that we need to focus on and i understand and this is like a constant um for me a constant come it comes and it goes it comes and it goes it's popular one day and it's gone the next day which for me i don't support that because if it's really important if you really constantly want the change you will you won't stop you won't let it be the biggest news for today and then tomorrow fade away you know you need it to be constant because i know like every i feel like it's a every four year thing for me and i feel like it's not for us to have change a lot of things gonna happen and i don't feel like it's gonna happen in like years from now i'm not saying i'm 
very like discouraged about like the movements that's going on i just feel like i'm a very i'm gonna watch i'm a bystander i'm gonna watch i'm gonna I'm going to support you if I feel like, okay, I agree with this, I'll post it. But for me, I'm very quiet when it comes to because I, a lot of people don't see that you're not consistent in yourself, so why should I follow your movement? You're in, you're st- you step one foot in and you back out as soon as, like, the heat comes. Like, let's go, look, back in the day, they, they were in more of a very hard type of platform and they made it work and they were consistent. We have all these platforms and we seem to fade away every single time. It'll like, it'll happen for, I've realized that it was very big in May and June. July it was a little dead and then it picked back up in August. So like that right there for me is just like, yeah, I need consistency in my life. Yeah, um, brought up a lot of points, right? Mm-hmm. And one thing that stood out to me was consistency. You know, part of being a leader is being consistent with your actions. Yes. Using social justice as an example, like you see the reactions on how people handle things, leadership specifically, not just with the police, but in the political aspect of it too. Yeah. And it's more taking lessons from it. Like social justice, social change, like that's a constant in our lives, in our careers as leaders. That's something we're going to see every day. Just a matter of like how we react to it, how we see it, and how to approach it from multiple angles. Yeah. You, you mentioned you know, the consistency and the Blackout Tuesday thing. Yeah. And how it's kind of like a fad comes and it goes. Yeah. Like those are patterns. You know, it's a good quality for a leader to have, being able to recognize patterns and adjusting, acting accordingly. So, social justice is a big thing. Yeah, it is. Especially for minorities. And I, and I would say any person of color really that's interested in social justice, social change. It's yeah. a matter of understanding where it is, where it's from, how it happens, why it happens. Mm-hmm. And being able to use that to help develop our leadership. Being able to talk to different people, different races, different cultures. Yeah, definitely. Because um, a lot of um, student orgs, when they're speaking on a situation, we a lot of people are looking at them because you have the platform to do it. And I feel like platform is very important because I feel like as a student leader, you know so many people, so you already have the platform without asking for it. And people are watching what you say and as you go out into the real world or like even like touching upon like situations like this, I feel like you should always educate before you attack. And I feel like a lot of in the media it's like you're attacking like people for for example like people like me who do not like um i don't come out of my way to like you know say something on my social media i'll repost something that someone already said but i won't be like my personal experience or like how my opinions because i feel like when i speak i'm a very um passionate person and i feel like if i say it it may seem like also it's about emotional intelligence and knowing like your environment everything but I feel like learning how to adjust to your audience and learning how to not just attack or like saying you're not doing this, educate them, let them know like what do you know that I don't know. Let me like give me some info so that I can go into my corner and read up on my information and do my research and then I'm like okay I understand this better and I see why you're going so hard. If I don't have that that knowledge, how can I proceed in something? I'm not just gonna go off your word. I can go off what you learn, and then I can go back into my own research. That way, we can be 
we can combine and have more of a powerful team because when two leaders come together, it's a really good. It doesn't have to be two leaders because sometimes two leaders are two powerful people who can't really see other people's important. You always need to have like a, a mediator. You always need to have someone to follow so that way you can have a different um, perspectives going on and stuff. So. Dialogue. It's nice that you brought up two different types of leaders. Yeah. For people that come to mind, for me at least, it's Malcolm X and Martin Luther King Jr. Yes. Two yeah. leaders in their own right, mm-hmm. they just have different ways of approaching the problem. Yeah. And part, part of social justice and leadership is being patient. Yeah. And you know, some of it has to do with the political correctness of the country right now. Yeah. You know, certain things that we used to say four years ago, five, six years ago, we simply can't say anymore. Yeah. See, that's that's a big one too. It's like we can't expect to have movements like Malcolm X and Martin Luther King because we are in a different platform where, like, the simple simple word, like, as in, like, even when it comes to the other different communities like LGBTQ, their community you can't really touch upon that because it's very sensitive nowadays, and people take things and then you can be removed off social media and stuff like that. Like I know the whole TikTok thing, TikTok wanted. Um, I know a lot of people wanted to ban TikTok because of what how it was going, and I'm just like, are you kidding me? You can't expect, you cannot expect this world to change if we're gonna constantly go towards the sense sensitive route and like not being to like well, you know go hardcore uh, at least with tiktok you know that's a whole separate issue entirely yeah <laughs> but um you know going back to what you mentioned in terms of platform yeah that's that's a big thing mm-hmm. it kind of ties into like some of the stuff we talked about last semester regarding emotional leadership different types of leadership yeah um, platforms huge mm-hmm. pretty much on a pedestal and you're just you know, kind of like a pastor spreading the word of christ yeah and all these things are happening, and it's important that we take lessons from it. Because if we don't learn from it, we're, we don't we don't learn from history. We're doomed to repeat. Right? Mm-hmm. So it, these are complicated times, and we, I feel like we do need to be having these types of conversations. Yeah. We can't just turn away from it any longer. The injustices mm-hmm. that are happening in this country, because you know we're all in college right now. Yeah. Once we graduate college, we're gonna go you know, to the professional workplace. And the culture is lesser. The culture that may be different. Mm-hmm. It's just a matter of, you know, you know, being part of the social justice movement and the changes teaches you a lot about leadership qualities. Besides the networking, crisis mm-hmm. management, communication, emotional intelligence. Yeah. Those are all, like, little facets, and you can get a lot of that from learning about the social change. Yeah, definitely. I, um, I definitely feel like we... I feel like there will be change in the way, like, if they stay consistent. I like how a lot of things now are being, um, how can I say this? I like how things now are really coming together. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like my biggest thing that really, like, motivated me and made me understand how important this um, movement is, not just because I'm... Um, I'm Caribbean American. I'm not even. I don't consider myself Black or African because I I don't have. I'm from the islands, so I don't really have like anything. But I feel like being a minority, I saw that even in 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 COVID nineteen, how people were willing to go outside and protest, and I feel like that's right there. That's like a Martin Luther King or Malcolm X type of movement. People are, are putting their life at risk to the better of others in the whole community. That's right there. That's where you can see leadership is developing. Leadership is showing because you're not afraid of 
what people might say you're taking a risk you're allowing yourself to be exposed to different communities and i know um i went to one in west orange and it was extremely hot people were passing out but they were still there and they were still because they were marching on they were saying their part and their pieces and i feel like that's really good for um us coming together as one because i feel like a lot of people think it's always a black and white situation but if you put us together what do we make <laughs> so it's a, it's a very great area it's very complex yeah you know yeah, it has a lot to do with the historical context and the context mm-hmm. right now us, we're in a unique position to change, yeah. the, change the narrative, to more or less wipe the slate clean and provide a template of how to be better leaders. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, you know, like, we're here and we're, we're the next, we're the future, essentially, and yeah. we have to learn, continue to develop our leadership styles. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like what Dr. Williams said in the interview, like, the learning never stops. You always gotta learn, right? Yeah. And especially when Adversity, being able to handle things, it kind of ties into like the stress and resilience part from life. Yeah. So, yeah, a lot. Everything's connected in, in some way or form, right? Yeah. So, you know, at least with social justice, like you know, you know, it's more concerning for Caribbeans. I mean, sorry, no, minorities such as you and I, mm-hmm. and, you know, seeing what's going on, analyzing it, and yeah. finding ways to offer support mm-hmm. to the causes that we support. Right. Yeah. You know, depends on you know our own personal views, but you know social justice is a thing. Yeah, it's a, it is. It's a major thing. Mm-hmm. It, it's something that we can't ignore anymore. That's about all the time we have on today's episode. Have something to say about social justice? Leave a voice message using the link in the description. And you could be featured in a future episode. You could also tag us on social media to let us know your thoughts. Our Instagram and Twitter is at MSU Leadership. And our Facebook is facebook.com backslash CLE Leadership. We hope to hear from you soon and stay tuned for the next installment of the Leadership Podcast on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Music, and Google Podcasts. Take care.